There's one time that you had a lot of stress. Um, you were really stressed about mm -hmm. a few things at your job and you would vent and I'd say, well, what else? Get more out. I was trying to like, see if that worked, you know, just trying to encourage you, get it all out. What else did they yeah. do? And I don't know if that was the right thing. Hi, everybody. I just want to welcome you to the Kim Peek Show. I'm so glad you're here. Today is going to be a fun 30 minutes of your life. Let me tell you, because my husband, Doug Peek, is here. He's going to be joining me now. He's going to be joining me now. <laughs> so, hi, honey. How are you? Well, it's good to be another, uh, this is my like second or third guest appearance on your show. Well, in the studio, it's the second, but you've been on many times. I feel like I um, should be called a regular guest. Well, how about sidekick? <laughs> okay, I'll be the just sidekick. Just for this, just for this. No, but we are going to have a lot of fun today. We are talking about <laughs> communication in marriage. And let me tell you. We had some communication <laughs> while we were preparing what are you talking for about? this podcast. Are we, you trying to communicate? We were thinking of stories from our marriage to share with you. And it's funny because we didn't always remember those stories quite the same, did we? <laughs> no, no, we do not. So, so who knows what's going to happen this 30 minutes. But at the end, I promise you that you're going to have some inspiration on communication for your marriage, if nothing else, <laughs> by not doing whatever yeah, we thought, do. Oh man, they're a bigger dumpster fire than we are. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I have hope. I'm inspired. Yeah, exactly. So, but we've been married almost 30 34 years. years. And so mm -hmm. we have been had, together 36. Yeah, we've had lots of uh, yeah. opportunities for communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but remember, the Kim Peek Show is all about you thriving in your faith, your family, and your marriage. That's what I'm here for. That's why Doug is here today, because we just want to encourage you. So, we are going to start off with the iconic story of the biggest fight of our lives and <laughs> it's it been happened. an ongoing fight it's no, just it's it never been well resolved. actually actually it did get resolved a couple of years ago <laughs> okay which we will talk about did i win or you win uh you you won did right? i win yeah you oh won. man i need to remember my victory i think you i think you remember i think you remember you're being facetious to use yes. one of your words facetious. but why don't you share the iconic fight from our marriage and we'd been married only what a year or two yeah, well, no, it's longer than that, wasn't it? Because we got married. Well, we lived yeah, in that apartment. In, yeah. How long did we live in that apartment? Just as a like a couple? year and a half. About a year and a half, and then we bought a house. So it was probably two and a half years into our marriage. About two and a half years into marriage. Okay, so, yeah. And so I was in a group with a whole bunch of guys from the church, and we would do stuff together. And we decided that uh, paintball, you know, we wanted to go paintballing. So we had done this a couple times and the group of guys just kind of got bigger and bigger. And right before I went paintballing, it was in the fall. It was in November, late November, early December. Late November, early December. Yeah. And, it, and I just remember in Kansas, it was uh, unusual weather. It was really sunny, warm. 
Yeah, it was that's really warm. unusual for Kansas. Yeah, it was a really warm day. And so we went out there. We played paintball. And if you've ever played paintball all day, you know, as a young guy, it's exhausting, you know, because it's and an adrenaline rush. And you bruises. So, yeah, you know, you got, you know, these marbles hitting yeah. you and you get bruises all yes. over the place. So you're tired. Anyway, so before we were going, Kim was saying, I want Christmas lights. And we well, had bought yes. a little tiny house. It was a two-story house. Yeah. And it had a single roof line on it on the second story. So it was like the only place you could put lights on the house is along, you know, the gutters and stuff that are on, on the second story. On the second story. Yeah. So it's yeah. way up there. And I'm like, man, I don't want to. I got this big extension ladder. I don't want to get it out there. There's power lines out there close to the house. And, and I just was really oblivious to all this because yeah. I just wanted Christmas lights. You just wanted Christmas lights. Yeah. Because you're mean, super Christmassy. I was. Christmas, I love Christmas, and this was our new house. Yeah, can I call We'd you? We've been it were in you, were four you, or five years. Were you Christmas Karen? Four or five. No, it wasn't a Karen thing. <laughs> this not, was not a Karen thing. <laughs> See, we're not communicating well right no. now. So, so what happened is, anyway, so I said, no, I don't, I don't, we can't do that. I don't want to do it. It's just, it, you know, I have to get out there. It's just blah, 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 blah. So anyway, long and short of it is um, I come home. And we're driving down the road up to our house, you know, through the neighborhood. And you can see our house from, I don't know, a block away. And there on the front of the house is, if I remember correctly, weren't you pregnant? No, you weren't pregnant. No, I wasn't pregnant. Okay. No, we didn't so, have any kids. Anyway, I was not pregnant. there's my wife on the front of the house standing on top of my 24-foot aluminum extension ladder. How in the Lord's name she got it up, I don't know. And she's on the top of this thing trying to hang lights you know i mean my wife does she doesn't climb ladders she has no idea about ladder etiquette and <laughs> osha would be shocked if she would have said so i go up there and of course i was not in a um the best frame of mind no you weren't which is so funny because you number one you always try and do what i want to do <laughs> well that's and true. number two <laughs> she's you, a little spoiled you rarely get upset with me rarely yeah, rarely <laughs> so but you were I, upset he I was, was like what in the sam who are you doing on that ladder yes. <laughs> yeah i was just like I, I think you know looking back i was probably you were afraid. scared you, you were know? afraid i was probably afraid yeah. you know you see your wife she's she's hanging out off of this ladder oblivious and it was close to, to power lines which again yeah. i was totally oblivious I, to. yeah there's all these power lines up there you know and yeah i don't know if you knew this but my uncle died <laughs> electrocuted but um on his house yeah working on it cleaning out his gutters yeah. he had a aluminum extension i ladder, didn't know that at hit the, the time power. anyway so i, so I didn't know that would be a trigger so for you what are you doing yeah yeah get, get down from there right now you're doing my job and i told you we were gonna do that so so i'm like what I'm just kind of like, it took me no, a while to no, realize no, how upset no, you were. No, no, I don't know. I don't think that was. Oh, that wasn't it? No, I huh? think what happened is we went inside and you were like, I'm an independent woman and I can get those, the ladder out. I could do well, that. Why don't true. you think I but could do did. that? It took me, I, I was so like shocked that you were so upset. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Oh boy, you let me have it. But yeah, so so this, so so I think he was surprised I had done that and I was surprised that you were upset 
And so then came the quintessential line. So, well, we were of arguing. You're like, how did you do that? I go, well, that's yeah. my job. And I told you. But you know, then that it I would ended take it with and, you saying. And then you were saying something. I can't remember what you said. And so I was just getting all really heated. And so I just was like, I need to go cool off, you know. And so. But I, how did, what did you say? I, can't, I said, I go, well, I'm done talking. I'm going to go out in the garage and be immature. Yep. That's what you said. <laughs> said. I'm going to go in the garage and be yeah. immature. But I think I said it at about 102 decibels. Yeah. But I do want to say he didn't swear. He, <laughs> ah, he, that comes no, much later. You No, you. <laughs> I don't want people to think you do that. You goofball. But anyway, so that's the like. No, I don't swear. When iconic fight. fight from our marriage. Yes. But why don't you talk about that as far as why? Why don't you step into your pastoral role now oh, and just talk about role. a communication tip from that? Ser- seriously, what? <laughs> what can you share? Cool off before you start screaming. <laughs> Is that all you have? Is that all you've got? Well, no, I mean, there's a lot of different things in those situations is that you always, I think in a, in a communication event, you usually have different options and, or different responses. And what you do is one person is, uh, we have to resolve this right now and they won't let it go. And we're going to talk about this. And why won't you talk to me? You know, who could that possibly yeah, be? Yeah. Cause I don't like things being unresolved. Yeah. And then, the, you know, and I, as a guy, you know, like if I'm, I, when I'm angry or I'm, you know, fuming or upset or fearful, I don't, I, you know, sometimes I don't think very rationally. Um, and you know that about yourself. So you have told me, yeah, let me cool stop off, talking and then we will be able to talk later. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's like, no, we're going to talk now. And she keeps needling me, you know, we're going to talk and you need to tell me what to think. And then finally, I'm just like, ah, you're a crazy ostrich. And then she's like, you called me a crazy ostrich. And she remembers exactly what I said. I, I mean, she always, can quote what I said 22 years ago. Unfortunately, I can't remember what remember, I wore yesterday. I was say, and probably remember what you were wearing. At yeah, the time. she would. I don't remember any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I think, I think the thing is, is that what you have to do is you can't be an avoider, which says we're not going to talk about it, never talk about it. But you also can't be a pressure communicator who says, we're going to talk about this right now. Because all that does is amp up. And I think this is particularly important for men. And that is, is that when you do that, when you say, well, you can't tell me what to do, and I'm this, and I'm that, da, da, da. That, what, you're, what women don't understand is that you, you know, them's fighting words. For a man, when you're getting, it's like, you know, if he's out, on a sports field or if he's, you know, out with guys, you know, and think in opportunities, situations where men get in fights, they get in these fights because someone not only gets in their space, but then they challenge them. So what you're doing is you're, you're basically asking for a combative reflex, you know? So the guy has one of two responses. His one response is, is that he'll, he'll fight. You know, you're, what well, you're, you're, what you're communicating as a female is masculine energy. You're stepping hundred percent into the masculine. Your husband is automatically masculine, right? And so he's going to fight. And so now you have a full blown argument. The second 
option, though, is that what a lot of guys today that I see happening, and I think this is sad and worse than a man who will fight, is they're like taught, well, I can't ever argue with a woman or fight with a woman. So what they do is they collapse, right? And, and this is what's so fascinating to me that I have noticed as a pastor over the last 35 years, 36 years in the full-time ministry, is that women will step into the masculine role or masculine with their husbands, right? They will challenge their husband's masculine wise. And then the husband won't respond because he's been enculturated not to respond in a masculine way, right? Because that's not right. It's toxic or, or whatever. And then what happens is when she steps back into her feminine, she loses respect for him. And so I think I find it's really interesting is that, you know, women subconsciously push their husbands into corners. Their husbands are trying to respond in the most protective way they can. And that is, I don't want to say or do anything to hurt my wife. So they start to withdraw. She can, she then interprets that as uh, capitulation. And then subconsciously, she doesn't feel he would fight for her in another situation. So she loses respect for him. It's just a really interesting psychological phenomena. Yeah. And so if I would simplify that, just how, <laughs> well, how I think about if, it, if I can I, summarize that in a brief way, <laughs> I, I mean, I would just say that what I've learned is when we have something that we don't agree on or something that comes up that could be a conflict. Again, my desire is I hate conflict. So I want to resolve it right then. Mm -hmm. Whereas you often need time to be able to get away mm -hmm. from the situation and, cool, and off. cool off. And then we can talk about it and then we can resolve the conflict. Yeah. And I think that that's really, you know, a couple of things, of pointers that I think are helpful is if you're a female in those situations, and then if you're a male, I guess, because today, sometimes maybe you're a guy who's pretty level headed and you're married to a woman who has a tendency to be more really emotional or up. She'll run hot, you know, and cold and she has a temper. Women are known to have tempers. Yeah. And I think one of the best things to do is to say, Hey, let's talk about this after people have cooled off and say, how can we talk about it in a way where we don't get angry? Yeah. And, and so that's, you, you have that question before you start to talk about it. And then what that does is that kind of acts as a shield, right? So that, so that, okay, it's starting to get angry. So, okay, let's cool off. Let's just take a break and then we'll talk about it. So I yeah. think that that's, that's a big deal. And cause I think, I think really what happens is men, tend not to want to fight with their wives. They tend to want to have domestic bliss, right? Oh, I agree. And, and I feel like as a woman, that is a very big responsibility for me. Yes. That for me to keep the home for the kids and for you yes. as a place of refuge, a place of peace. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that we never have conflict, but like you said, we kind of have a, a way that we know when a conflict happens, we're going to work together to resolve yes. it. And, mm -hmm. and we both know that. And that's in me keeping peace and a refuge mm -hmm. 
Because our house, our That's home. your goal. But remember, we were going to talk, and we said, well, we'll tell the first one about Christmas lights, because you don't look so good in that one. And I said, I know, I don't look so good in that one. Well, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> but then I that, thought of another one that we Okay, could but I'm just saying don't, that that's what I strive to do. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Is keep the home that way. Yeah, Not you want to keep I'm the home that perfect, way. perfect, but that's... But then, As a woman, it, yeah. that's what I want to do. Exactly. So 20 years, 25 years later, we're in this house. So for her birthday, I got her a present. And I hired a company to come in and put Christmas lights on the house. And so they came in. They put Christmas lights on our house. And we were out that day. And, and drove I, in. Zach and Zach drove me around the corner. I was with Zach. Yeah. And you had it all set up. So Zach would drive me around the corner. And yeah. I would see the Christmas lights that you paid for to be put on her house. And they were so, she was so excited about it and everything like that. And so what's so funny is that the next year she was like, we're going to do Christmas lights again. I go, yeah, they want to come out and do the thing, but it's like $500 now. And she went, what? And that put an end to Christmas. At that point I decided (laughs) I have so much Christmas decor and fun in my house. I don't need lights on yeah. the house for 500 <laughs> It's not worth that much. Yeah, a dollar a bulb almost. Yeah. But then another another fight uh, that we had, and I don't even remember what the content of the fight was, but I think something was going on at work, and this was when we were still in Kansas, I think, or maybe we just first, no, we'd first moved here. Okay. And I think, I can't remember when, but we were basically, we got in a big fight about something, and, and uh, you were just exceptionally disagreeable with me or something. And I think what had happened is prior to that, for a couple of weeks before that, because there was a lot of stress at work, I was just really quiet, you know, and you had kids. So you're busy with these kids. That I was home with all day. Yeah, you're, you're home with these little tiny kids all day long. And then I come home and I'm sitting there and it's not that I'm in a bad mood. I'm just kind of like, you know, because I'm just trying to work all this You're stuff out in my head. With the day. Yeah, and I'm done with the day, and I'm just I'm kind of quiet, and I'm not talking. And then so we we get in this big fight, and and I'm like thinking, why? What in the world are we fighting about? What is this about? And then I remember asking you, and I said, "Did you pick a fight with me on purpose?" And you go, "Do you remember this?" And you smiled, and you go, "Yes." <laughs> I do kind of remember that. I don't remember what it was about either. I don't either, like, but I remember that. It's like at least I'm getting engagement Something. from <laughs> getting you. It. So That's she was true. Yeah. So sometimes. Man, so, you did warn me you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just fully here exposed and vulnerable. I didn't even know. <laughs> hey, Brandy Brown says vulnerability is oh a good thing. It's a strength. Gosh, but, I don't think she said it. Tell it in front of people before you share it with your wife. Okay, anyway. Okay, but I just thought. So, no, but that's true. So, so sometimes, you know, I think guys, you know, it's important or some ladies, sometimes what you have to realize, I guess, is that you're picking a fight on purpose because you feel like you're not getting anything, any communication with your husband. And what, one of the things that I I think has really benefited us a little bit is you're very verbal. You're very conversational. You'll, you'll talk about the same situation. I think you have more words than I do, but I was going to get to that just a second. Okay. Okay. Let me finish. Um, (laughs) yeah, see our problem is not, are we going to share? Our problem is, is we can talk and talk and talk and never stop. But what, what happens is, is that she, she'll like talk about a situation and she'll talk about it with me and then she'll call her mom and talk about it with her mom. And then she'll talk to, with my mom. 
and then she'll talk with it about her daughter with her daughter and she'll she'll talk about the same situation over and over and over and over again I, I only talk about stuff generally once That's true. and yeah. I like to come to a conclusion and then move on and then move on. And if I bring it up to rehash it with you, yeah. that's frustrating. That's, to you. I was like, okay, we, why is this still a problem? I thought we resolved this, but what was interesting, I think has helped us though, is prior to resolute is I'm an, I am an outward verbal processor. Oh my gosh. Yes, you are. So I'll just sit and I'll be talking and talking and, and she's like, Okay, where is this going? Because I'm actually formulating my ideas in my head as I'm talking. External process. I'm an external processor. But in the end, you know, I think that's helped because she's never like wondering what I'm thinking. You know, it's like, okay, I know. And Unless then, you're stressed at work. And you're yeah, and if there's, if there's a real stressful problem that I don't really uh, have a solution to, sometimes I'll be kind of quiet. And then but I think that that's is, when you get nervous. Yeah, that <laughs> is unusual. So kind of what you're talking about here is two different things. Two different you're things. You're talking about how, what tip do you have for for people in their marriage for, for when the guy is really quiet because maybe he is stressed out at work or there's an issue. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. So what kind of um, tips do you have for men and women in those situations in their marriage? Well, I think if your husband is in a situation where he's stressed out or he's quiet and you feel like he's starting to isolate, I don't think it's a good strategy to go in and try to like demand that he tell you what's going on. Honey, honey. Yeah. What's going on, honey? You need to talk to me. I'm your wife and I need to know and you need to... Yeah, don't do that. What I think the best thing to do is first you distract, okay? Because the the whole goal here is to divide and conquer, all right? So what do you have to divide? Well, you have to divide his attention from the problem that he has, okay? And there's really basically only two ways maybe three ways to get a guy to turn his attention to someone. The first one is food. Okay. You got to have food, you know, maybe a sport or something, a team that he loves, you know, to watch. But the other way is, is to just go in and try to be affectionate. If, if you feel that there's a barrier, he's not communicating. The best thing to be is just affectionate with your husband and, what you what you want to do is you want to go in and say, hey, you know, I want to rub your back or come over here, you know, or you, you put your hand on the back of his head and you play with his hair while he's watching TV or you just lean against his shoulder. What you're communicating is I'm safe. I'm a safe person in your space, right? I'm not here to poke you and prod you and, and get I'm something not, out of you. And you're not asking like for for that for your husband to like explain everything and right. start talking yeah. and and I think generally even if he's an internal processor if you do that if you're affectionate and you enter into his space um and you say you're safe what you're going to find is he will ask a question or he'll start talking or processing externally with you and I think the best time to do that is to is to in those environments is you always want to communicate it's safe. And I think that's critically important for a a wife. What you don't want to do is because a lot of times what guys do is when, if something's really bothering them, let's say at work and their first statements are going to be emotional expressions, which are frustration and anger. So he'll say things like, I hate fill in the blank. I'm going to quit that 
bleepity bleep job. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And what's going to happen is if you're a female who likes, you know, structure and security, you're thinking, quit your job. What are we going to do for money? How are we going to feed the kids and pay the house payment and blah, blah, blah. And so you'll respond out of fear. And if you respond out of fear to him in that moment, then you're communicating you're not safe. So it's really important to go, man, they, they must have really messed it up, you know. And what you're doing is you have to affirm these emotions because th- this is a thing that I think is really, really important to understand. And this is very controversial, but what you've been told as a female is that men are emotionally just like you. They've been enculturated by society not to express their feelings. Now, what's the most important thing for a female is her ability to what? Express her feelings. If she can express them and talk about them. Mm -hmm. Well, this is an absolute poppycock. (laughs) It's a bunch of hooey because getting men to boys to express their emotions or telling men to express your emotions denies the biological difference by how God structured them, the way they process their emotions. You know, women are like, Oh, I feel this. What is this emotion? And they analyze it. Men go from here to emotion to action like that. They, they don't, well, why, what am I feeling that, you know, they don't ask that you don't get to that point until you're in your, you know, fifties or sixties or stuff like that. I'm just starting to realize, wow, I have emotions and this is why I have them, you know, kind of a, and so, so what's happening, it's really important is you have to understand is that he's going to express his action and his feel and his sense of what he needs to do. And then what he will do is he will then say, pull back from those. You see, that that tends to be what most guys do. It's like, well, I hate that job. I'm going to quit. Boy, okay, well, you know, you feel like you're going to quit. And you're going to go, is there something else you'd like to do? Or, you know, um, you know, how can I support you in this? You know, that that's that's the best thing. How can I support you in this? How You know, no matter what happens, we're together, honey. I'm always on your side. Because that what what is hard for men is they feel isolated and no one's on their side ever. Yeah, and I know when we were first married, I wasn't very good at that. I would I would be scared or concerned yeah. or, oh, what does this mean? Whereas a lot of times, you needed to vent to get yeah. it out. Just vent, yeah. And then that allowed you to think and do the right thing. Right, exactly. So you got, you know, that that's important. And so in that initial environment is that females, you know, if you're a wife, you want to, basically what you're trying to do is communicate to your husband it's safe. Yeah. So now, I mean, there's one time that you had a lot of stress. Um, you were really stressed about a mm-hmm. few things at your job and you would vent and I'd say, well, what else? Get more out. I was trying to like, see if that worked, you know, just trying to encourage you, get it all out. What else did they yeah. do? And I don't know if that was the right thing, but I guess that's not really saying safe, but I, I was trying to show that I was on your side. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, you know, then then sometimes that'd be funny. You know, I'd say, well, this person is such a, you know, a terrible excuse for a human being. And you go, yeah, we need to get rid of those people. (laughs) Well, maybe we ought to treat them with proper respect. You know, then now I become the voice of reason. Yeah, you're the one. So So, So that's good. So, okay. So let's take a little time now to talk about the second thing you were talking about. And that's when we've talked about something, we've made decisions 
And then I come back to rehash it and that's frustrating for you. What kind of tips can you give in regards to that? Well, I, you know, I think our pattern is, is that the way I'm wired and I think a lot of it has to do though, being a senior leader in an organization for Mm -hmm. a long time. And that is you, you you just have to make Make so many many decisions. And so I, I just, I've adopted an adage a long time ago and that is the best thing to do is to make the right decision. The second best thing to do is to make the wrong decision. The worst thing, the to, worst do thing to do is make no decision. Because yeah. you can always change a bad decision into a good one. But, you know, uh, my theology professor in undergrad said, you know, basically you're a sailboat. And God can't lead you. You can't go anywhere. The rudder doesn't work unless you unhitch from the dock and get out and, and, get out and start moving. You know, once you're moving, then you can turn God, and God can yeah, direct you. And that's it. Make decisions. Even if they're bad, at least you'll learn they're bad. Um, or number two, you're moving and things are happening. So now you can redirect stuff. And, and as long as your ego isn't so wrapped up into it, you can say, oops, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that was a bad decision. We're going to make this one now. So you do that a lot. So, so yeah, so... I do that a lot. And so I make decisions. And I, the one thing I can't do is have buyer's remorse on my thing. Now, my lovely bride, she has buyer's remorse. You know, like if we'll go out and we'll do something that's really big, she'll love it. And then she'll go, well, should we have done that? Was that the best decision? And uh, well, what... <laughs> yeah, not all the time. No, not I'm not making you look bad. I'm just saying that's how you process it, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think one of the things about it is that revisit is try to find out how that works. Yeah. Now, your husband may be a massive buyer's remorse guy, right? He makes decisions and then he questions them. If he's a if he's a a manager, if he's an organizer, if he's you know a very administrative type guy, he's very an engineer, a lot of those guys, man, they have buyer's remorse all the time. They make a decision and they wonder if they made the right one. Well, did I bring into all the variables and stuff like that? Now, very few guys are wired from a decision-making standpoint, similar to me, you know, because uh, um, I'm more of a luminary. I'm well, more of that so, type so of person. I guess the thing is, you know, what do you do? What tips do you have for couples that you know just either one of them gets frustrated in those situations like like i guess what it is is what tips do you have to help for couples to help them make better decisions together that's what we're talking about well i think that the issue is is the best way to make decisions is to get all the options out on the table right i think the best thing to do is say look honey we need to make a decision Okay, what do we need to make a decision about? And we've gotten really good at this over the years. And, you know, what she does is she says, oh, we need to make a decision. She says, I got a list of things I need to talk to you about. And I said, okay, what's your list? She makes a list. And she always knows that whenever she says, well, we need to make a decision about this. And I'm like, well, what are our options? (laughs) I always ask that question. What are the options and possibilities? So she'll list them all out. And then I'll say, well, which one do you like? And she'll say, well, I like this one because blah, 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 blah. And then what'll happen is I will say, well, I kind of lean towards this one. And usually I would say 80% of the time, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I like the one you like. We, we agree and boom, we move on. 
Um, if it's a really big, big decision, sometimes say, well, let's pray on that, think on that, if we're not exactly both 100% on the same page. And sometimes just leaning into it and praying, fasting, those kinds of things are, are really uh, helpful in that decision. Well, and process. I think also hearing why the other person holds to their position. Yeah. Because then you really understand each other, like with the Christmas tree lights. I mean, once you went ahead and did it, and I realized how much it was, I did. I wasn't interested in it either. I mean, that's kind of a silly example, but to to understand where the other person is coming from. Yeah, and that you know, I think that's really a critical point for a lot of people is that it's important to understand where the other person is coming from, and you can't do that if you're spending so much time defending the decision you want. Yeah. And so uh, I think I think the best thing to do is when you make decisions is spend your time making decisions that you feel good about. Get a pat get a get a pattern of good decision making going and that is start with low hanging fruit all the time, you know. Don't uh, hey, oh, honey, we need to we need to sit down and talk about a few things. It's Sunday night, and say, okay, what do you need to talk about? Well, we need to figure out what we're going to have for meals this next week because I got to go to the store tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, do you want spaghetti on Tuesday, or do you want chicken, or do, what are we going to have? Let's plan hey, out a meal. It's meals. always Taco Tuesday. And taco Tuesdays. Is that what we're going to do? Okay, yeah, we can get that. Um, hey, we got to figure out, you know, what? How are we going to do the laundry? We got to figure out this. We got to figure out that. And what you do is you just kind of get in the habit of of learning and, and how the other person processes information and what they like. And then they say, okay, we got to make a big decision about, you know, money. Most, most couples fight about money because it's such a control thing. And so if, if you can get agreement in little things like by budgeting, budgeting is just a decision-making process. That's all it is sitting down and say, well, we're going to spend this amount of money on this. And then what happens is then you can realize, am I the person who can make a decision to move forward or is, is my spouse the person who has buyer's remorse or do I have buyer's remorse or decision remorse, I guess is a better way to say it. And I think when you kind of start analyzing how you make decisions as a couple, then that you're going to get better at it over time. Well, and also what helped us is to have goals, mm -hmm. you know, not just to make a budget, but to say, you know, in five years, this is where we want to be with we our money be, yeah. because that answers a lot of the questions for you. So if you get some goals of that you agree on and start with what you agree on and just start working with that, you know, but if you do that, mm -hmm. that'll lead you to coming together on other things as well. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important is that you analyze how we make decisions. If, if you can ask yourself that question, how do we do it? Uh, that that really helps you grow in making decisions together as a couple. Yeah, and I think it's funny just even sitting here talking. You're the one that kind of goes into the philosophy, psychological part, and all of this. And I'm just pretty like, well, practically, here's what you can do. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, over the years, I think the different ways that we come at things have been more of a strength. And so that's something I think you need to realize is, you know, you look at things differently, but use that as a strength instead of a conflict. And, and yeah. you know, as you learn to communicate better over the years, it does become a strength. So yeah. to wrap things up, okay, okay um, you really talked about... Um, How good-looking I am? 
Well, that was number one. But <laughs> yeah. um, the Christmas tree story. You're the best looking one in this duo, baby. Uh, thanks. Um, but the Christmas tree, uh, Christmas light story, just in one sentence, what would you say the lesson of that is? I don't know. Keep your mouth shut when you're fear afeard. Is that one sentence? Can you say a little more? You said one sentence, baby. Okay, take two sim- sentences and don't use the word afeard. I don't even think that is a word. <laughs> two sentences or three. Well, I think any time you start a situation with the question, what in the Sam Hill is she doing? You know you've already lost the battle. That was the longest prepositional phrase I've ever heard. Okay, a second for, sentence for that one or move on? I, I, I had one that, that was good. run-on okay. sentence. Okay, the next one we talked about is um, like when one of the, when, when you feel like one, like your spouse is not engaging with you, don't pick at them, show them that you're safe by using affection. I think that you, you clearly delineated that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, with with oh, w- women oh, towards oh, men. Oh, here he goes. But I, I think, you know, what happens when a, a woman is an introvert and she's, you know, she processes internally and her husband's like, an, maybe like me, an external processor, what what do you do in that situation, you know? And I, I think that's really important is that you have to ask, you know, if you're a husband, what most guys do is they never learn how to ask really good questions. And yeah, you need true. to learn how to ask mm-hmm. great questions. And that's it's, a really good point. I mean, it's a skill and you need to learn it. You know, okay. don't say, I don't understand Maybe, okay. my wife. Just, Maybe well, we should talk about that another time. Okay. But that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So show your spouse that, that you're safe. Um, and then for men to really try and ask good questions. That's good for women to do, though, too. Yes. Okay. And then the last one, um, don't rehash things or really try and have good goals together so that you aren't in the uh, kind of cycle of rehashing. That's what I'm going to say about that. You don't want to keep accounts. Don't keep accounts. There you go. Okay. So those are our tips. I don't know if you got anything out of listening to this. <laughs> if you didn't, I'm really sorry that you used your 30 minutes. Of She's your not life. going to ask me back as a special guest anymore. Of course I am. Okay. Or is this your way to try and get out of it? Ooh, I, I have know. a secret strategy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, but thank you, honey, for coming and well, you're talking so with me. Did I, I get a kiss? Yes. Do you feel safe? I feel safe, baby. Okay. So I hope you got something out of this. We obviously enjoyed this. Um, and we're going to go probably talk about No, I'm kidding. We're not. <laughs> we don't have to rehash it. But I did want to just share with you that my other new podcast did start today. It's called Hope in the Pain. So I mm. hope you'll check that out. And just thank you for coming and listening to Kim Peek Podcast. And... Um, just want to see you thrive this week. Follow me on Instagram, the Kim Peak Podcast, and shoot me a comment. Thanks.